Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Take out your Bibles again, turn to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue our hard sayings of Jesus series and specifically in the Beatitudes, Beatitude number 4 and one that you should all get pretty excited about. Now I want to apologize in advance if you came this morning and you have not eaten breakfast, forgive me for what I'm about to do to you, okay? Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would speak to us now. Lord, enlighten your people. Teach us, God, through your word. You, Jesus, spoke these words at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and we now desire to receive from you as the multitudes did, as they sat and listened, as the disciples sat enthralled by your words, these simple statements which are so profound. And so difficult, Lord, to put into practice because they challenge who we are. Speak to us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The fourth of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Happy is the person who has in abundance... The totality of who Jesus is, his righteousness, his character in their lives because that is their craving. That is their number one desire. And here goes the introduction for you. We live in a culture where literally McDonald's created a verb out of combining a couple of words, supersize it. Amen? The reason that we now look at that as a verb, when you want to make something bigger, when you want to make something better, when you want to get a larger portion, most of us say, well, supersize it. Jesus is something you want to supersize in your life. You, you see, we're so used to our world. Now, nobody walks up to, you know, you don't go to claim jumper. Here it comes. And can you supersize my broccoli? Unless it comes with an awful lot of cheese sauce on top of it. But we do live in a world to where virtually everything is served in monumental sized portions. It's, it's amazing to me how much you can go and, you know, you, you, like if you're in a hurry, you run through McDonald's, McDonald's you order an egg, Mc, here it comes, McMuffin and hash browns, and you get a regular Coke with that, you just consume 900 calories. Now, you may not think of that as supersized, but to the world, that is a whole lot of calories. We, we desire things like this. We, we go to buffets and, 
you know, we heap the stuff on our plates. You can go to 7-Eleven and get 64-ounce drinks. Think about that for a second. That's a half a gallon. We, we supersize all kinds of things. So much so that the food industry, especially the fast food industry, is really starting to rethink those things and trying to scale some of that back. I was in Walmart and I saw a chocolate bar considered a single serving. It was two pounds. 2,900 calories. Now there are some things in our world that will probably kill you if you supersize them. But something you will never do anything but benefit from is supersizing the amount of Jesus that's in your life. Amen? Amen? And sometimes we wonder why we are deficient in our fight against sin and in our fight for righteousness because we've supersized an awful lot of other things, but we have not asked for a super helping of Christ. We haven't taken in, we do not have the same hunger for the things of the Lord that we have for the things of the world. And this is problematic for us. And so Jesus, taking these beatitudes and compounding one on top of another, and you need to look at these this way, these beatitudes that we're studying are designed by God to complement one another, to add to one another, and to be inclusive of the one previous so that they form a style of living. If you want to get rid of the sin-inducing things in your life, if you want to have victory in Jesus, then you need to ask for the uber-sized portion of the work of the Holy Spirit found in Christ Jesus as your Lord. And so Jesus now says to us, blessed is the person, the man, the woman, who has an insatiable appetite, who has an unquenchable thirst for the righteousness that only comes through Christ Jesus your Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, for they shall be absolutely stuffed as if they could take no more in. Now I took a little liberty with the scriptures and what I just said, but it is the intent of the original words. In other words, you have to be hungry for, you have to be thirsty for, and not just a regular hunger. For those of you that ever had the blessing or practiced the blessing of fasting, you know what happens on about day two, right? All of a sudden, you know, the grumbling in your stomach, and you're like, you think like, you look and you walk by your neighbor's yard and there's fruit hanging on the trees and all of a sudden you're thinking about becoming a trespasser. You know, there's just, it's just like, I really would like to have something. I don't care what it is, that looks great. You see, there's a difference between standard hunger, which God gave you to keep you alive, and an intense craving for something, Amen. 
What's in view here is an intense craving for, a thirst that is unquenchable. If you happen to have ever spent much time in the deserts here in California, you realize you can get beyond thirsty, amen? It's like your lips stick together, your tongue sticks to the roof of your mouth, You have a thirst that's very different than, you know, I kind of think I'm thirsty right now. It's an intensity level that is so far above what you normally experience that it drives you to do something about it. And that is what's in view in our passage as Jesus speaks these words to us. Now notice what he's done In this spiritual progression, this relentless growth, if you will, that is now in view in these Beatitudes. We're starting to see it begin to take shape. You have to be poor in spirit. In other words, you need to realize there are things in your life that must go, and when they're gone, they create a vacuum. You have to be poor in spirit. You actually have to hate sin. You need to weep over sin, mourn over sin. That's the source of our issues, amen? Amen. That's, That's what drives people to do the heinous things that we're dealing with in both our world and our nation right now. Sin, when it takes root in someone's life, will cause all manner of evil. And so if you're not hungry for righteousness, this fourth beatitude, if you don't have a meek or a humble, gentle attitude towards towards both others and God himself, then you're not ever going to get to where Jesus is now focusing our attention. You will already be so full of yourself that you won't have a desire to be hungry for the things of the Lord. You will not mourn over your sin because you're going to like what you already have. You're not going to be meek and humble about it. You're going to be prideful about the fact you're already satiated. That what you have is what you want. And so you can see how these things compound one on top of another to provide a path that leads us to number four, which is I need more of Jesus. Now, I don't know how many of you can say amen to that, but I was expecting somebody to say amen. Amen. I need more of Jesus. I need a supersized helping of Jesus. You see, I don't need much more of the world. I need more of Jesus. So the question becomes, how badly, how intently, How much do you crave that change? How badly do you want more of Jesus? If you want him real bad, then you need to answer that question. You see, I have a problem with fill in the blank. Now, I know nobody in here has a problem. And notice there's only one blank there. We could have like filled the whole page with spaces for things that you could add. 
But the purpose of my question is, and the purpose that Jesus says these things to you, is if it's already filled in and you think you don't have any problem, then there's not much room for improvement. And if there's no room for improvement, then you get to keep being you who you were before you met Jesus, and hence you don't need him, you're not bankrupt before him, you don't have a desire for more of him because you already like what you have. So what's in view here is an area in your life to where there is a need for improvement. There's a need for more Jesus. Maybe for you it's an attitude. Maybe for you it's a a thought process. Perhaps it's an active area of sin. Maybe it's an addiction. For some people it's simple things that we would look at and go, well, that's not that bad, I'm just envious. It's not that bad, I I just kind of like to mess with people. I I seem to enjoy bringing strife into other people's lives. You know, yeah, I'm a little bit angry, but after all, I'm an MMA fighter. You see, we start to explain away the deficiencies in our life instead of declaring, I have a problem with. I've got an issue And I don't have an answer for that issue. Jesus, I need more of you in that area of life. Almost all of us have a hard time. Isaiah said, or in Isaiah 55, thinking God's way. Why? Because my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. His ways are so far above ours that most of the time we're kind of going, well, I don't know how to think that way. I don't know how to act that way. And so really what Jesus is saying is blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, blessed is the person who has a passion for personal righteousness. A passion for it. Not just kind of like I come to, that's why I go to church, because I want to do my duty. I want to fulfill my obligation. I want to make sure that I'm a religious person. That's not a passion. And while it may be that you're obeying God's word, it doesn't mean you're passionate about it. And it doesn't mean that you have a passion for the results of living a life that you should live because you've come to church and you've taken in the word of God. There is a deeper and a far more intense craving that needs to happen in your life for this to become a reality. You have to grieve over your sin. That's why these things compound one on top of another. You have to actually hate your sin. Can I tell you that a lot of people don't hate their sin? Matter of fact, some people who call themselves Christians actually really love their sin. And I can tell you why. They do everything they can to justify why it's not sin. They explain it away. Well, you know, my dad was in the Navy. I had a guy actually say that to me. I said, well, my dad was in the Navy. My grandpa was in the Navy. My great-grandfather also in the Navy back when there were sailing ships. And yes, they use language that We really shouldn't use all day, every day. But what does that have to do with the power of the Holy Spirit who is in you? 
you see, there's no intense desire to say, that's not the kind of language that I should use as a Christian. I have to have an intensity about me. And that intensity is towards the things of God, towards righteousness. Have you ever met someone who is starving? I have. I've shared with you before that I was on the San Diego Mountain Rescue Team. I've hunted down people who were lost, that were starving and dying of thirst. Unfortunately, sometimes we didn't find them before the thirst took their life. But I can tell you, when you meet somebody who's dying of hunger, they will eat anything. When you meet someone who's dying of thirst, they will drink. If it's liquid, it's going down. There is such an intensity to hungering and thirsting for righteousness that you're willing to do anything to be satiated. Do you want righteousness that badly? Do you want sanctification in your life in that way? Because God wants it for you that way. The question is, do you want it for you that way? Man, I want to have those intense cravings. The Greek grammar here is interesting because what Jesus is saying, he would have been speaking in Aramaic, but he's using, in essence, recorded for us in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the New Testament. He's using words that, I don't want a sandwich, I want a whole loaf of bread. I don't want a glass of water. I want a bucket of water. I want to keep drinking water. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever... I have no idea how a 125-pound person can eat 108 Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs. (laughs) The math don't add up, okay? But there has to be something going on in their head that allows them to just continue to consume... I want that for Jesus. I I want to just, it's like more, please. Now, please do not go home and try and do that yourself. But I want to have that intense hunger for righteousness. I want to have a life or death craving for righteousness. I want this to say, Lord, I need you so badly. If I don't receive from you today, I'm going to die. I don't know if you think that way about your relationship with the Lord. And specifically about righteousness. And that word is easy for you to understand. It means to be right as if God were deciding what is right and you agree with him. It's not just right according to mankind. It's right in God's eyes. Fully and completely thinking, in other words, as God would think of absolutely everything. That's every word, every thought, every deed. Our personal lives, it will come out as doing what is right. 100% of the time. Now I can tell you that Pastor Jeff still needs to grow in righteousness. Pastor Jeff is not done 
I'm a partially baked cake in that regard. Amen? I think all of us can say amen to that. The reason I'm saying that is not one in here is perfect. Not one of you. And I add myself to your numbers. I'm not perfect. I still have issues. I still got places and things in my heart and in my mind. It's like, Lord, that was not you. Now I want to give you something very simple. John 14, 15. If you love me, anybody know what it says after that? Keep my commandments. Big if, isn't it? Jeff, if you really, truly love me, then you will want my righteousness in your life, which are expressed in his commands. Amen? Not only Godward, first five of the Ten Commandments are towards God. The next five are towards humankind. In other words, it's telling us in order to be like him, you should be doing things the way he would do them, not the way you would do them. You shall love you. <laughs> Chet prayed it. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And oh, by the way, the way it actually looks is you will love your neighbor as your. How do you want to be treated? That's righteousness lived out in your life. You see, when you can look at your neighbor and treat them the way you want to be treated... You are being a doer of the word, not a hearer, only deceiving yourself. You're actually being like Jesus. That's very different than knowing what Jesus would do. You see, I can know what Jesus would do or say, but there's a huge difference when I do what Jesus would do or say. That's the work of righteousness in your life. Very specifically, the work of sanctification in your life. When the Bible uses the word righteousness, it uses it in two general senses. The first is imputed righteousness. When you became a believer, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When you said yes to Jesus, when you believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you became a saved sinner. You became a believer. You believed on the name of the Lord. And to your account was imputed the righteousness of Christ. God sees you no longer as a sinner under judgment, but sees you saved by the precious blood of the Lamb. Anyone want to say amen to that? You see, you are now a saved sinner. Notice what I'm saying here. A saved, still a sinner. You have imputed righteousness. It's yours. It's full. It's complete. It cannot be taken from you. In God's eyes, you now have the righteousness of Christ. But there is a second part of that righteousness. The Bible is very clear on this. That second part is on you. 
It's worked out in your life by the Holy Spirit. But it's shown in your obedience. It's shown in the works that you do. The words that you use. The desires that you have. The things that actually make up you. There is imparted righteousness. In other words, the Holy Spirit wants you to be absolutely perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But the fact of the matter is, most of us got some work to do. Amen? So that imparted righteousness can grow from the time you say yes to Jesus until you get home to heaven. That's called sanctification. And the best way to get there is to crave Jesus. It's, Lord, I want so desperately to be like you that I'm willing to allow you to cleanse anything. I'm I'm allowing you to step into my life. I'm giving you permission to upset my apple cart. Lord, if you need to change something in me, you have full permission To change my life, change the trajectory of my life. You see, when you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart, you became saved. Perfectly righteous. But the fact of the matter is, though positionally God in heaven sees you as perfect, you're not perfect. You're still wandering around in a body that is capable of sinning. And sometimes, unfortunately, we sin. Amen? It's what sinners do. If you don't like that, you disagree with the Apostle Paul, by the way. Because he considered himself a sinner to the day he died. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get into a righteousness battle with the Apostle Paul. I think I'm just going to give him the title and say, you win. And so I need some help. Church, I need some help. Pastor Jeff needs help being more like Jesus. So I have to want that for myself. I have to have that deep passion. I I have to care about what's going on in my life. I have to desire the things that God wants for me, not the things the world wants for me. Amen? Look, the world is not going to give you a craving for righteousness, is it? Turn on the TV for 90 seconds, flip a few channels, find a commercial, and try and find one that is righteous. Going to be pretty hard. You might stumble on some, maybe it's, you know, somebody messed up and they put on a righteous commercial. Now, I'm not saying that everything that's on television is bad for you, but what I am saying is, if you look at the world system, it's not pushing you towards Christ. It's pushing you away. It may only be subtly away from the Lord. But it's trying to get you to buy things you don't need. It's trying to get you to desire things you shouldn't have. It's trying to get you to live places that you don't want to be. 
It is trying to change the trajectory of your life so that you get away from Christ and not nearer to him. And if you don't know that, if you think it's all okay, you're satisfied with what you have, you'll not hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to be that Christian. Because that's the righteousness that satisfies. You see, as a Christian, here's the crazy thing about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to stand by while you're going the wrong direction. Anybody in here notice that in your life? It's called conviction. That's one of the two chief purposes of the Holy Spirit. Conviction of sin, what's wrong, and conviction of righteousness, what is right with God. And so if you're a believer and the Holy Spirit's in you, guess what you can count on? You're going to get convicted of sin, and you're also going to be convicted of righteousness. And if you're convicted of sin, you should hate that. And if you're convicted of righteousness, you should want more of the righteousness because that's what delivers you from the sin, which is the problem. And so you have a righteousness that's satisfied. The Apostle Paul, as he was writing to the church in Philippians chapter 1, which we're going there on Thursday nights very soon, that your love may abound still more and more in the real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless in the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory, praise God. That's our goal. That's what we're supposed to be in Jesus. It's just like him. Just like him. So your Christian life in that sense is a growing thing. It's a living thing. It's an ever-expanding thing. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever taken up a sport to the, to the extent that you become fairly proficient at it. Isn't it weird what you spend money on for these sports? Now, I have a few of them. But I can tell you this. I've walked into the PGA Superstore... And I've watched people with carts full of things. I'm like, none of those things can go on the golf course with you. You have sticks and markers and little things that you can put on. It's like, what is all of that for? It's so they can become more proficient at the game of golf. We put all of this time and effort into what is a game... Do we put the same time and effort into our relationship with the Lord? Would you spend that extra money on the things of God? Would you spend time on the driving range of King Jesus? Gym memberships are another example of that. I know an awful lot of people that spend way more time in the gym than they do in their Bible. 
And their excuse is, well, you know, I supersized my lunch. That's where you need to supersize Jesus, amen? You've got to spend time in the gym, spend time with him. You can look at it that way. Gym, him. You have to choose. Sometimes you can be with him in the gym. And sometimes you're just in the gym. Your choice. If you want to be satisfied, we do all things in him. Amen? You see, Jesus is not an additive to your life. He is your life. He's your life. Without him, you don't have life. And you only have eternal life because of him. So if that's true, you should want more of him. And I know that it is for most of us. The question is, how do we do that? Well, you've got to start wanting a ridiculous-sized, king-sized, super-sized portion of Jesus, just like you would go out after something that you would really want to have in your life. Pastor Chet and I were talking about sailing and boats and all kinds of stuff, and we both have a history in that. He being from the Bahamas, basically out there, if you don't have a boat, you ain't going anywhere. You just have to stay home. But boats are a funny thing. It starts out with just a little tiny 19-foot runabout. And it's like, well, a 24, that might have a bathroom on it. And then a 28, that's got a kitchen. And a 32, that's got beds. A 40, that can have more people with beds and kitchens and barbecues. And pretty soon you're like, honey, where'd the paycheck go? Oh, it's the hole in the water down at the marina. We just toss it in there. But if you really love your boat, oh, you're down there sanding and re-oiling the teak. And again, if you have a big boat, I like to sail, so if you've got a sailboat, just sail. I'll even work the grinders, I don't care. If you want something bad enough, you'll do anything to get it, right? You should want Jesus that bad. Shouldn't be anything that would keep you from that kind of righteousness. Paul came to that place. He said, not that I have already obtained. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Nor am already perfected. But I press on that I might lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as to having apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on towards the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And therefore, let us as many as are mature, have this mind. 
If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and be of the same mind. Paul said, I've got a ways to go. I'm not there yet. So how is your hunger and your thirst for righteousness today? Are you full grown? Chances are not. I'm not. Just tell you straight up. I've walked with the Lord for a long time. I spend most of my time doing something that revolves around trying to be a little more like Jesus, and I can tell you I haven't made it yet. I agree with the Apostle Paul. I have not yet attained. How's your hunger for Jesus? I'll give you another sentence to complete. And it will indicate and really help you with how serious you are about having a right relationship that's filled with righteousness towards God. How about this one? I would be happy if, or I would be blessed if, or for me living is fill in the blank and to die is fill in the blank. You see, if you can't put Jesus, if you would put something else in any of those blanks, then you've got some growing to do. And look, if we're honest, please be honest with yourself. If you don't talk to another person about this, be honest with God by being honest with yourself. There is something that would go in that blank. Maybe it's only periodically. I would be really blessed if. First thing that should come into your mind is if I was born like Jesus. And if something else jumps in there, then there's a little bit of work to do. For me, sometimes it's pretty simple things that end up in those blanks. If I got fewer emails, (laughs) if I lost my cell phone, some of you are going, amen. For me, living is sleeping till seven. When you're somebody like me that's used to getting up at 4.30 in the morning, when somebody tells me they sleep into noon, I go, why? (laughs) How come? And to die. How many things can you honestly say that you would die for them? I pray the first thing goes in there is King Jesus. It's King Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to work out of you what he's already worked into you. He wants to give you a hunger for him, and when you have that hunger, nothing else will satisfy. Nothing. There won't be anything you can put into that hole. It will require more Jesus. And you'll find yourself going, supersize my Jesus. Bigger helping, please. I know I got the big one last time, but I need a bigger one this time. 
because you can never have too much of him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. After service, maybe you need to pray with somebody because there is something that's in one of those blanks and you know what it is and you want to pray to have it removed. I'm going to pray generally for all of us, but maybe you need someone to pray with you specific about something. Prayer room, prayer team's available. I would strongly encourage you to go and just sit down and say, hey, I'm struggling with this and it's taken the place of Jesus. Because the Lord wants to be first in your life, not second, third, and certainly not last. Father, we thank you that the goal of sanctification is to one day bring us into your presence spotless and blameless and perfect. And Lord, we want to get on that road sooner rather than later. And so we ask you to supersize all of you in us. Take and make us more like you, Jesus, today. And I pray for those that would easily fill in those blanks with something. There's there's things in their lives. There's sin that is beset. Lord, there's drifting that's occurred. And we're just declaring to you, Lord Jesus, we need help. Lord, for each of us, would you help us with those areas of weakness? Father, we thank you for your kindness and your goodness to us. Your wonderful care for us when we were yet sinners you died for us Jesus while we were ungodly you did the most wonderful gift by sacrificing your life in our place Lord what a memorial day this is for us and so we give you our lives in return that you might use them for your glory we ask all of this in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.